1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. We've, we began a new Sunday morning series a few weeks ago, and we're learning how to take action today for a better tomorrow. It isn't that what we all want for ourselves, for our family, our children, our loved ones, a better tomorrow. You can take charge of your life, and you can change your life by taking action now for a better tomorrow. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian apologist, he wrote, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are, and you can change the ending. I said last Sunday that you'll sometimes hear us rehearse the definition of insanity, which is to do the same thing again and again, and to expect a different result. So whatever the situation, whatever the circumstances, you have been given the awesome power and ability by God to take action to take the right action, and to change your life for the better. And as we've been learning, this requires that we deal with the real, we deal with reality, that we take responsibility. We don't blame others, we don't play the blame game, but we take responsibility. Today's message is entitled, How to Be an Effective and Fruitful Christian. How to Be an Effective and Fruitful Christian. And this is important because in the Gospels, Jesus dealt with fruitfulness. A good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And we're to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. We find out in the Gospels and in Romans that our, our Father God, He's the gardener, and He prunes us to make us more effective, to make us more fruitful. And when we know from the Gospels, Jesus says, what, what happens to the, the vine, the branch, the tree that bears no fruit? Eventually, it is cast where? Into the fire. And of course, the disciples respond, and more time is given. That's the grace and mercy of God. But we see from the Word of God, we are to be effective, and we are to be fruitful in living for God and living the Christian life. Faith is a starting point. Faith is, in fact, the starting point. And the Bible says we are to add to our faith. We are to add some things 
that are crucial and are important to our faith. The Apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1 and verse 5, make every effort. Say, every effort. effort. And I know, I know, I know, I know. This is all completely counterculture to what's popular in America in 2021. But we're not about what's popular. We're about the Word of God. And we're about doing what's right. And we're about teaching you from the Word of God how you can change your life for the better. You know, something may make us feel good, but that may not change your life for the better. And last Sunday, we got into things like taking care of yourself physically. You know, when you're blue, you know, a little pint of bluebell or more, it'll make you feel better. But that may not change your life for the better. So we're dealing with the real, and we're dealing with what's practical. Make every effort. Say every effort. And we see that there are some things that we are to add to our faith. 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life, and that is the Zoe life of God. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge. And where do we get that knowledge? It's from the Word of God. That's why we're always quoting Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. All of this comes through our knowledge. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, through what? Through the promises, you may. Say, I may. may. But it doesn't say you will. And that's why there's this whole segment of the body of Christ and they're defeated because they're taught from childhood growing up that whatever is, is the will of God. And so if they have lousy circumstances, that must be God's will for your life. And to that I say nonsense. I say no. Maybe the reason you have lousy circumstances is because of the action or the inaction in your life. And the way to change your circumstances for the better is to change the actions you're taking. You know, every year at St. Paul's, inevitably... There is a parent who will approach me, you know, well, how can Timmy do better? How can Sally do better? And I do my best to be nice. I do my best to be polite. But I always point out, look, if there are seven or eight kids in the class and they're acing every quiz and every test, the problem is not with the material. The problem is not with Austin Lingerfeld. The problem is with Timmy or Sally paying attention. The problem is with Timmy or Sally studying and doing their homework. And it doesn't work to try and do your homework in the hallway before class starts. You're like, man, Austin, that, that sounds a little, little tough. Well, again, if you, you have kids and they're paying attention and they're studying and they're doing the work and they're acing every quiz or every test, that, that tells me I'm doing a good job as an instructor. And so part of walking in the blessing and God's best is taking responsibility and realizing that we may participate. Say, I may. may. But the difference between may and will is what you 
do. We have to do our part. We have to take action so that through them, through the promises, you may participate in the divine nature. Now that, that's what that testimony was about. He, through the promises of God's word, he participated in the divine nature. Yet that same day, all around America, all around the world, there were people who did without. And there were people who even loved the Lord and they did without because they either don't know about the promises or they don't know how to appropriate them and stand on them in their own life. So they say, I may, but I'm going to take the right action, so I will. And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Verse 5, for this reason, make every effort. Say, every effort. Oh, man, Austin, you mean I have to do something? You mean I have to take action? You mean I have to do some things? You mean I have to obey? You know, we, we, we deal with this all the time. To change your life for the better, you have to take action. Well, Austin, I, I'm believing God that he'll bless me with a godly wife. Do you have a job? Well, how are you going to have a wife and afford a wife? You have no job. Have you asked anybody on a date? Well, I, I like their post on Facebook. Have you talked to them? Have you talked to them in person? In any area of life, the answer is with the action we are taking. That's what changes things for the better. Make every effort. Say every effort. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love, the agape love of God. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, say, say increasing. increasing. That's why the name of Dr. Fred Price's TV program was called Ever Increasing Faith. Our faith ought to be increasing all the time. And these other things, these other character qualities, they ought to be increasing all the time. And if they're not increasing all the time, we're not living for God the way we should be living for God. If they're not increasing all the time, we're not living the Christian life the way we ought to be living it. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So somebody comes to me and says, Austin, why, why are there believers, and they would say they love the Lord, but they seem to be ineffective and unproductive? The answer is here in what the Apostle Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1. If we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive. Verse 9. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager. The King James says to be diligent, to give all due diligence, to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, say, say do. do. Say, I got to do something. And this is how we change our lives for the better. This is how we change our circumstances for the better. You know, God saved Noah, but he had to build the ark. So to walk with God, there are some things we have to do. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So faith is the starting point. It is fundamental. It is essential. Faith is the foundation, the beginning of building a successful life. But faith is not all there is to building a successful life. Action is required. Say, say action, action is required. And we all can take more action. We all can take new action. We all can take greater action. In your home, your family, your marriage, young people, in your, your schoolwork, in your dating, 
your education and your apprenticeship to be a success in life, we can all take greater action. So this morning's message is how to be an effective and fruitful Christian. And don't we all want to be effective? Don't we all want to be fruitful, productive for the kingdom of God? Number one, excellence. Excellence. 2 Peter 1.5, for this reason, make every effort. Say effort. To add to your faith goodness. The word in the Greek is arete, which means excellence. So we could say it this way, make every effort to add to your faith excellence. Excellence. And this includes excellence of character. This includes moral excellence. God has called us to virtue. God has called us to practice virtue. As the people of God, we're not to be like everyone else. And this world, it is filled with so much mediocrity. Don't be a pajama person. And, and I know we, we're, we're for church growth. Amen. Don't be a pajama person. You say, Austin, what's a, what's a pajama person? Well, when I was in college, I discovered something new, that there were people that they came to class and they didn't shower or bathe before they came to class. And they came to class in their pajamas. Well, that was 20, it's hard to believe, that was 21 years ago. And the American culture is going further downhill, faster, faster, faster. You see pictures of the way people used to fly. I say used to, 30, 40, 50 years ago. People get dressed up. Now going to the airport can be a frightening experience. <laughs> that, that, that's the world. So say, so that's the world. But that, that's not who we ought to be as the people of God. We ought to do everything we do with excellence. We ought to work with excellence. The Apostle Paul said to do everything as unto the Lord. And he wrote that in a, in a context, a culture in which there was slavery. And so there, there were people, and they weren't in an ideal situation. But in that situation, he said, do everything as unto the Lord. What does that mean? With excellence. So if you're in school, do your schoolwork with excellence. Your job may not be your dream job, but you ought to do it with excellence. You, if you're married, you ought to do and practice your marriage with excellence. Stop thinking about someone else. You're a Christian man or woman. You might think, well, if I were with someone else, things would be better. No, because they'd still be married to you. <laughs> so we ought to do everything with excellence. Work with excellence. Be married with excellence. Parent with excellence. God has called us to excellence. Verse 8, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, for if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this universe, there is what is called entropy. And this is a part of the second law of thermodynamics. There is entropy, which is a gradual decline into disorder. Things left to themselves are disorderly. That's why we are to make every effort. Smile at your neighbor and say, make every effort. Smile, smile at your neighbor and say, make every effort. Things do not tend to get better. Things tend to get worse. Unless effort is 
apply. And that's why, according to the second law of thermodynamics and with entropy, things tend to disorder unless there is a program applied, unless there is great effort applied. And that, that program, that code in our lives ought to be the Word of God that we live by, that we apply to our lives, that we take action upon. In the universe, there is entropy, which is a gradual it's a gradual decline into disorder. And that's what we see in the culture. In the culture, Disorder. Lawlessness. That's why you can't be a child of God and be for disorder. You can't be a child of God and be for lawlessness and things that are lawless things. Because it is not righteous, it is unrighteous. It is wicked. There is a tendency in the world and in nature toward disorder. But the Bible tells us that in Christ, all things hold together. Hebrews 1 and verse 3 tells us that he sustains all things by his powerful word. So how do you sustain your marriage? By his word, by doing it the way his word says. How do you be a good parent? How do you be a successful parent? How do you, in this wicked, godless, evil culture, how do you sustain a family that lives for the Lord? By his word by doing it the way his word says, not the way the culture says, by doing it the way his word says. And to do the opposite of the culture takes great effort. It takes a different program. It takes a different code. So we must make every effort to add excellence. Say excellence. So we ought to dress excellently. We ought to work excellently. We ought to take care of what God has blessed us with, with excellence. May not be your dream car, may not be your dream house. Take care of it with excellence. Excellence. Work with excellence. Be a person of excellence. Excellence doesn't just happen. And excellence isn't normal or natural. Again, things tend toward disorder. You have to work to live a life of excellence. And we work here all the time at Faith Christian Center to have a church of excellence. And at St. Paul's to have a school of excellence. Number two, knowledge. First, Second Peter 1.5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Make every effort to add to your faith excellence and to excellence add knowledge. Knowledge. And this includes the application of knowledge. I'm all for downtime. I'm all for reading things that are enjoyable or recreational. But we ought to always be increasing our knowledge of the Word of God. And at whatever you do for a living, whatever your career is, at whatever God has gifted you to do, you ought to be reading. You ought to be learning. You ought to be growing. None of us should be stagnant. Make every effort to add to your faith excellence and to excellence add knowledge. The Bible says that God's people are destroyed through a lack of knowledge. People do without because of a lack of... Marriages fail because of a lack of... Children are left to themselves and not guided and disciplined and trained because of a lack of knowledge. So we got to have the knowledge, the knowledge of God's word and knowledge of other things. God told Joshua to meditate on his word day and night. David wrote, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Second Peter 1.8, if you possess these qualities, excellence, knowledge, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Verse 10, if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Number three, self-control. Verse five, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness or excellence and a goodness knowledge and the knowledge self-control. Smile and just say to yourself, say self-control. And we live in a culture that has no self-control. No self-control in what people do. No self-control in how people conduct themselves. No, no self-control in how people eat. But as God's people, we're not to be like that. We are to have self-control. We are to be disciplined, disciplined in everything we do. Self-control is the ability and determination to, to control one's own desires, including sensual desires. Paul tells us in Galatians 5, we're to live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. So we ought to control ourselves. Amen. And what we do and how we act and what we, what we say. Think about it before you hit the send button or the text button or the, the enter button on the keyboard. Self-control. And, and there are things that are good. And praise God, we're not under the Old Testament dietary law so we can eat things that they didn't, amen? But self-control. We ought to take care of ourselves. We ought to be good stewards of the body that God has blessed us with and self-control in other areas of life. For if you possess these qualities, excellence, knowledge, self-control, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Verse 10, if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number four, perseverance. Tell your neighbor, say perseverance. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance. Make every effort to add to your faith excellence and to excellence add knowledge and to knowledge add self-control and to self-control add perseverance. Perseverance is steadfast endurance, the power to withstand hardship or stress. It is an inward fortitude to not quit, to not give up. We're not trying anything. We're not trying to live for God. We are living for God. Amen. We're not trying to raise our children. We are raising our children. We're not trying to have a happy home. We have a happy home. So you got to have some perseverance at whatever it is in life. To not quit, to not give up, to not throw in the towel. And Satan, he's all about getting people to quit and give up and throw in the towel right before the harvest comes. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. That's why in Galatians 6, the apostle Paul says, at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if, say if, if we don't give up. And in this time, people are sad. They're depressed. They're lonely. They've done it their way. And Satan's right there whispering in their ear, give up, quit, throw in the town. That's a lie. You got to persevere. Smile at your neighbor and say, persevere. In the Gospels and in the seven letters of Revelation, Jesus tells us to persevere. He says, those who overcome or those who stand firm to the end, those who persevere, they will be saved. In Peter's day, he called believers to persevere, to endure despite the persecution they were facing. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Verse 10, if you do these things, you will never fall. 
and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number five, godliness. As I said, the, the, the culture is the opposite to how the church of the Lord ought to be. The culture is the opposite to how we as Christian people should live and should conduct ourselves. In the culture, there is lawlessness and there is disorder. In the culture, there are no standards. In the culture, wickedness abounds. But that is not who we should be as the people of God. And this includes with it godliness. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness. Make every effort to add to your faith godliness. Godliness is personal piety and holiness. We are to live lives set apart unto God. As Paul reminds us in Romans 12 and verse 1, we're to offer our bodies, our lives unto God as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable, and pleasing to God. He says this is our spiritual act of worship. In Christ, we're justified. We're brought into right standing with God. In Christ, we are sanctified. We are made holy. But we are also to live holy, godly lives set apart unto him. God is holy. And as his children, we are to be holy. We are to live holy. You know, that's, that's the story of Samson. Set apart unto God from birth. But why was his life not what it could have been? Because he was always trying to be like the world. Imitate the world, be like the world, live with the world, date the world, marry the world. The Bible says if we love the world, we have not the love of God in us. So in a wicked culture, we are to be godly, and we are to live godly lives. In the midst of ungodliness, Paul reminded believers at the church in Corinth that their bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Quoting the prophet Isaiah, he said, come out from among them and be ye separate. If we look like the world and talk like the world and act like the world and behave like the world and speak like the world, we're not doing Christianity right. And that means we're ineffective and unproductive when God wants us to be effective and productive. Now you hear us say all the time, if someone just got saved, it takes time for worldly things to fall off their life. It takes time for progress to be made. That's the grace and the mercy of God and the help that comes from the Holy Spirit. But we ought to be making progress. Amen. There ought to be some progress. It ought to show up. And we live in such a lame culture. Well, Brother Austin, I am just a work in progress. Well, you say that, but there's not a whole lot of progress. So there's grace and mercy, but we ought to be taking action. There's grace and mercy, but we ought to be making some progress. Amen. On that day when he comes for us, his bride, the bride of Christ, on that day when we stand before him, as Peter says, we are to be diligent that we may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Hebrews tells us to make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Second Peter 1.8, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. And we want to be effective. We want to be productive. Verse 10, if you do these things, you will never fall and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Number six, brotherly kindness. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness. See, this is who we are to be as the people of God. The Last Supper, just before his betrayal by Judas, Jesus said to his disciples in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. Do we always feel like loving one another? No, but what are we to do? Love one another. I went to a seminary, a conservative seminary, particular group, particular denomination. They love to fight. You know, when I, I follow some of the people I know from those days on Twitter, social media, I get on Facebook or Twitter, what do I see them doing? Fighting. And whatever they were fighting about last week, it's going to be something different next week. And I love them. But Jesus said in the Gospel of John, we are to be known by our unity and our love for one another. We're to be known for our unity and our love for one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So when it comes to walking in love, who's our example? If Jesus is our example, do we each have more progress that we can make when it comes to walking in love? Yes. Do we have more progress we can make when it comes to being kind and gracious and compassionate and loving? Yes. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we're to make every effort to add to our faith brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is the affection shown between siblings. Now I say that mature siblings. You know, we have a big group at our house. And right now, Michaela and Samuel, they're working on this thing of walking in love and demonstrating brotherly kindness one to another. So the ideal, of course, is the affection shown between siblings. In the family of God, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to be kind. We're to be gracious. We're to be compassionate. We're to be loving. We're to be encouraging. Didn't bring the reference. We are to encourage one another in the Lord. We're to be kind. We're to be gracious. We're to demonstrate affection and compassion in our conduct. We are the family of God, and we're to treat each other accordingly. And this will help you in godliness if you'll remember that all of these wonderful people, they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. Would you rob your brother? Would you steal from your brother? Would you hurt your brother? Would you wrong a sister? Would you do what one of David's sons did and take advantage of a sister? See, when you frame it that way, that we're a part of the family of God and we're brothers and sisters in Christ, that'll help you live a godly life. That'll help you live a godly life. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Number seven, the last one, agape love, which is the love of God, the God kind of love. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. Make every effort to add to your faith agape love, the God kind of love. The great preacher of the second great awakening, Charles Finney, defined it this way, the agape love of God is to will and to act toward the highest good of the other. So if I'm acting 
to the highest good of my brother or sister in Christ, I'm not going to violate any of the commands of God. I'm not going to hurt them, not going to take advantage of them, I'm not going to wrong them, not going to steal from them, not going to engage in inappropriate behavior, whatever that is. I'm not going to use my mouth, which James calls a world of evil, to try and hurt them from walking in love. If I'm willing and acting toward the highest good of the other, the agape love of God is the supreme evidence that a man or woman is truly a believer in Christ. John, the apostle love, tells us that if we have not love, we have not God. If we do not love, we do not know God. If we do not love, we do not walk with God. According to the Apostle Paul, love is the goal of Christian instruction. Love, he calls the most excellent way. Love is the virtue that sums up all of their virtues. If we have the God kind of love, we'll possess all the other qualities Peter mentions here. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For if you do these things, say, say do. If I do these things, if you do these things, if we do these things, we will never fall. And we will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We all want to be effective. We all want to be productive. We all, our heart's desire ought to be to do what God has called us to do. To live a life that is pleasing to him. To give a good account to him when we stand before him someday. But we see here from what Peter writes during a time of persecution that there are some things we're to add to our faith. We're to add excellence to our faith. Then to excellence, we're to add knowledge. In a godless, wicked time, we're to be self-controlled and self-controlled in every area of our lives. We're to add perseverance to that self-control. We're to be godly people. We're to come out from among the world and we're to be separate. We're to walk with brotherly kindness in days that are wicked, in days when people do what is best for them and they tear everyone else down in the process. We're to walk in kindness and we're to walk with the agape love of God. So we see that we're to add some things to our faith. We're, we're, we see we are to make every effort. And this, this tells me that I, I've got plenty of homework to work on. I got plenty of action to take. I've got plenty of areas in which I can improve because Peter says that these things are to be increasing and increasing in measure. And as we do that, we will be effective and we will be productive and we will never fall and we will receive what kind of welcome? A rich welcome. The Apostle Paul speaks of those that will be there on that day as those barely escaping the flames. Praise God for his grace and mercy. But that's not the testimony, that's not the reward any of us want to have. We want to stand before him on that day. We want to lay before him what we did with the gifts, the talents, the abilities that he gave us and know that we lived a life pleasing to him. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. 
Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.